welcome to the Hackney Church Podcast. Our vision is to bring hope to the heart of Hackney. To connect in, visit us online at hackney.church or follow us on Instagram at hackney.church. Enjoy. So last week we launched this thing called the I'm In campaign, super exciting Sunday. Everyone had a good time last week. We had kind of stalls all around, people signed up. It was an amazing, uh, amazing day for the church across our four services. All our congregations saying, you know, we're not gonna be sort of spectators, we're gonna be participators. We're gonna go all in and sign up and say, I'm in to be part of building this vision. And today we're kind of following on with that. Last week we kind of looked at serving, everyone serving, and today we're going to look at everyone giving. So it's kind of like the gift day. And the reason is, probably some of you are thinking, oh no, why did I pick this Sunday to go to church? I could have been at rugby or the football and I came to church. Maybe you hear it the first time thinking, where are the fire exits? It's too late, it's too late. But you're going to be right. The thing is, we feel passionately as a church that God is calling us on a mission. And tonight is a chance to respond to that. I'm going to say more about it because later on we're going to take up an offering and it's not a normal offering. We do gift days twice a year. Today is very, very different for reasons that will become apparent. And so why don't we begin by a word of prayer? Why don't we just close our eyes and where we are, let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. There's two ways you can receive in church. One is just by kind of watching. The other is asking the Spirit to help you connect with the Word of God. And that's what what Jesus says leads to fruit. And that's what we want for our lives, right, as disciples. We want to grow. So let's pray. Father, tonight we pray that your Word would dig deep into our hearts. You'd set us free. You'd help us rethink and rewire the thoughts and patterns of our minds so we might be obedient to you and we might live life in all its fullness. And we ask this tonight boldly in Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. On Monday night, I was drifting off to sleep about 10.45 at night, and I could hear this helicopter over Hackney. And I don't know if you live in Hackney, how long you've lived in Hackney, or if you live in East London, but you'll know there are two types of police helicopter in East London. There are the the ones that move around and you can hear them, they move quite slowly and they're normally chasing naughty boys when they start off in like Dalston normally and they're like, let's, let's chase it. I know it's not a thing. If you live in Dalston, God bless you. But for some reason, they always tend to ch- start off in Dalston, you know? And they pick up the, like, the, the kid on the scooter who's like robbed the phone and they follow them, usually through Hackney Central and you can hear the helicopter coming over and they normally end up in like Leighton or like Walthamstow. Not no offense if you're from Leighton or Walthamstow. I don't know why, but that's just where they kind of end up. And so uh, on the other kind of helicopter is not a helicopter that moves, it's a helicopter that stays static. And when you hear one of those, what usually has happened is the police are responding to a specific incident, and usually a major incident in one place. So if there are riots, you'd often get static helicopters, or if there's a major incident. And so what I do is I kind of give the helicopters five minutes, and if I hear that after five minutes they're not moving, it either means the guy they're chasing is traveling incredibly slowly, or it means that something has kicked off in a specific place. And sure enough, on Monday night, at about 10.45, 10.50, it became apparent that there was something going on. What had happened was this. A block of flats down by the canal in Millfields uh, had caught fire. And within minutes, the blaze had spread up the wooden cladding on the outside of the block of flats, a familiar sight for those of us who live in London. And I headed off, I said to Liv, look, something's happened, babe. And I just jumped on my bike, headed down there. And within minutes, literally, of getting there, you could see just this enormous fireball. There were over 80 firefighters, 12 fire trucks, dozens of police, ambulance staff. The fire was five stories high at this point. And outside, a a kind of 500-meter cordon around the 
the center of the blaze, there was this kind of ring where the police were holding people back because people were just not allowed to near. In fact, well, the top floor had exploded out and scattered debris over the, the grounds in front of the uh, block of flats. And this ring was just made up of young people, old people, kids carrying their pets, uh, people terrified for their friend who was in the flat arriving back from a night out, uh, people desperately trying to get hold of their friend and they couldn't. And in those moments, our job as a church is to be part of the response. You know, that's what we do as a church. It's our, it's our call. It's why we exist. We're an emergency response unit. In fact, the first fire engine in Hackney was the church's fire engine. If you go to the Hackney Museum, you'll find the pride of place in the Hackney Museum collection, a big old fire engine from like the 1800s. And it says on the side, St. John Hackney Fire Engine. We've always been in the business of responding to emergencies. And so across the church, in the middle of the night, people started to wake up and they started to pray. They started to pray for the safety of the residents, for the fire crews. Around 2 a.m. in the morning, the confirmation came through to the command unit that miraculously, and I do not know how they do this, that the fire brigade had managed to get every single person out of that block of flats alive and uninjured. One person had to carry out with oxygen, but they were fine. I don't know about you, but I, I stood on the pavement with the command unit guys and just looked up at this, though I don't know how they do that. The courage of these people, the boldness. I mean, these men were sitting, and women, sitting on the pavement, just covered in ash and soot, just like exhausted. They'd gone through every flat in the block and they'd broken down every door and they'd worked and worked and worked till everyone was safe. I know some of you here tonight are in the emergency services. I, I want you to know that we, we value your contribution, not just in times like this, but the, the, the times when no one sees what you do. And I wonder if we could just show our appreciation. There are people here tonight who serve in the emergency forces. One of our members, David Blair Reed, is the council's uh, emergency response coordinator. So when things like that happen, David is out there with his walkie-talkie. He arrived about 12 o'clock at night with his gear on. And I said, David, and he was like, ow. And I was like, David, we are here as a church to serve you. What can we do? And so David, we started working on helping the residents find accommodation. There were literally hundreds of them. It was amazing to watch. One by one, people called their friends, their families. Others opened up their homes and took people in, kids, pets, the elderly. People just adopted everybody. But by about 2.30 in the morning, there were about eight or nine people left standing at this police cordon, and nobody took them in. No one could take them in. It was, we'd run out of options. They had no family, no friends in the area, and they were literally standing on the street working out what to do. One guy, a young professional, working on the Grenfell Inquiry. Another elderly couple in their 80s, uh, looking at the flat that was burnt out, thinking, my medication is in there. Shivering, literally in their pajamas, and they were incredibly cold. Another kid, age 15, with his mum, meant to be starting at school the next morning. Another young couple, professionals, again, thinking, where do we go? What do we do? And in a moment of emergency, you responded. Phone calls went round, you got out of bed. You opened up the church building. 
You rolled up your sleeves, you popped the kettle on, you set up camp beds, you got your bank card out. Someone in the middle of the night went to Tesco, 24-hour Tesco, praise God for 24-hour Tesco. (laughs) And they bought bacon and eggs and orange juice to give our guests that night the best we could give them. By the next afternoon, you had worked with the authorities to make sure that every single one of those people got into a proper bed the next night. By about five o'clock in the afternoon, every one of them was no longer homeless in a shelter. You did that, Hackney Church. And I've got to say, I've never been prouder to be a member of a church, a member of this church, than I was on Monday night. You responded. Now, you may be thinking, hey, Alice is super awkward because maybe he doesn't know, but I was not here on Monday night. You know, I was actually asleep in bed, feeling quite guilty now. You know, maybe I should have been listening out for the helicopter. But here's the thing. You were here because you are Hackney Church. I mean, you are what makes this place happen. We're in it together, every one of us. I mean, those tea bags that Sean made in the middle of the night for people. Where do they come from? They're your tea bags. The rooms, the heating, the lighting, all of this, the spaces that we have are your spaces. And that's why this I'm in campaign is so key because it it, it reminds us that that we are in this together. We all play our part in making this happen. So what I want you to do before we begin tonight is to give yourselves a massive round of applause because you responded on Monday to an emergency. Could we give it up for Hackney Church? Could you give it up for yourselves, every one of you? You did this. On Monday night, we as a community had the privilege of serving Hackney in a small way responding to one emergency. That was a practical emergency, but I just sense in my bones that it was almost a prophetic picture of what God is calling us to recover as a church. That we're called to be a community that responds to the practical and spiritual needs of the people of East London. And I don't know about you, but I felt like I came away from that thinking, This is an emergency. Life, for many people right now, is an emergency. We're called as a church to play our part in responding. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're building. People and buildings, spaces, renovations, restorations, courses, programs, all this stuff is here and can't happen without you. You're part of a response. We're part of building a spiritual emergency response unit. And so what we've been doing with the I'm In campaign, this is week two, is it's kind of family meeting time. It's where we kind of lay it out. So what's our vision? Where are we going? And how can we say I'm into the vision? I want to recap this for you because I believe this is a really important moment in our journey, not just as a community, but as individuals for each one of us. I believe this season's going to be life-changing for you because what's going to happen if you say I'm in is that your heart is going to be transformed. You get to be part of something far bigger and far more epic than you could ever have imagined. And so the I'm In campaign at heart is four things. Number one, if you're a member of the church, we want to encourage everybody here to do these four things. Number one, everybody serving. Right now, there are 374 volunteer roles in one of our crews open for people to get involved. Currently, 175 of us get the privilege of being in one of those crews. That's an amazing thing. 
meaning there are 199 spaces. And we looked at this last week. Could one of these spaces be you? And loads of you signed up for I'm in cards last week. And we're processing those applications. You'll have been contacted, hopefully. And you've applied to join those teams. And we want to get you on those crews. It's going to be amazing. And then everyone belonging and everyone praying. 191 of us are in 17 connect groups right now. We're about to start a whole load more. And they launch on the 1st of October, as the guy said. And you can be part of that. Alpha on the 2nd of October, we're praying right now. 11.02 every day as a church. I've got my 11.02 card here. Praying for three friends that they would experience God's love, that they come on Alpha. The crazy thing is in the past week, two out of those three, in fact, three out of those three out of today, I bumped into. They contacted me. They've said, hey, how are you? You know, God is on the move when we pray. And then everyone giving. And this is what I want to look at today. We've been looking at this across the church, all our services today, because we're taking up an extraordinary offering tonight. And simply the the numbers of this. While the church has grown, there were nearly 550 of us packed into this place last Sunday. The number of people giving has grown, but not in proportion to the size of the ministry that we're running now. So look at this graph. You'll see there's a gap between the growth of those giving and the growth of the congregation, what God's doing. And as a consequence, as things have grown, our income hasn't kept up with the cost of doing ministry. So we're facing right now a £222,000 shortfall between our cost, the cost of running this place, and what's being currently given. That's the operating cost of running a church. And my job is just to tell you the numbers. And we can decide whether we do the stuff or we don't. And then on top of that, we're involved in a once in a lifetime, literally once in a lifetime, unless any of you were here in 1955. Hands up if you were. Well, the last two times we rebuilt the church was 1955. And before that, it was 1792 when they put the first brick in the ground. Right now, we're building the church for the next generations. We're building a cathedral of creativity. It's going to be stunning place where the arts can be pastored and championed and celebrated, where the community can come together around Jesus, where we can serve the vulnerable, where we can, do great, we can open up our homes and our lives to the spiritual emergency. But to do that, we need space. And we're rebuilding that space right now. And we've done, well, you've done extraordinary. So far, we've raised together 5.5 million pounds towards this restoration. And right now, to finish it, we're down to the last 150,000 pounds. And without this, we, to be honest with you, we, we can't finish the building work. Uh, right now, this is one of these things where it's like, it's an emergency. Without this, we, we're going to have to pack up and go home. Literally right now, I spend, tomorrow morning, I go into meetings to talk about what we don't do. What do we cut? It's a knife edge situation. If we don't complete, if we can't find the cash, we just simply can't do the things to finish this. We've already been working, and John Palmer, who chairs the building project, extraordinary, with Graham, our treasurer, Sam, our other treasurer, the whole team, been working like crazy to value engineer. I didn't really know what value engineering was until I started leading this project with the team. And man, we are spending literally every day going, do we really need that? Can we cut that? Do we need a toilet? Can we have a toilet without a toilet seat? Can we get rid of the toilet seat? Can we just have a cold tap? Is that fine? Can we cut the hot taps? Literally everything we're going through is saying, how can we throw things overboard in order to get over the line? And if I'm honest, then my job is always to be honest with you, to tell the truth in love and to preach from the truth and to tell you what's happening. And as a church, you know, right now, it's pretty stressful. There are moments when 
I feel like giving up. Moments when I feel like it's scary and we don't know where it's gonna come from, what God's gonna do. What if God doesn't provide? And at times it's easy to get discouraged. Mark Nelson and I had this kind of game. We kind of try and send each other the most discouraging email we get in the week. It's like, hey, check this one out. It's a real goodie. You know, it's a complaint letter about something or, you know, whatever it is. And Mark sent me an absolute killer on, uh, on Friday as I was preparing this talk. I was kind of in my like laptop zone. Friday night, I had the tunes on. I was sitting there preparing to talk. Oh, this talk's going to be great. And Mark sent this email, pings in my inbox. He's like, hey, hope this cheers you up. <laughs> and it said a message with somebody who had offered to help last Sunday, signed up to give. And then um, for very good reasons, I'm sure, they wrote to say, actually, they'd had second thoughts and they decided that, 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 that what they were decided to give, they weren't gonna give after all. And Mark wrote this, he said this, just thought this would encourage you as you prepare your talk on gift day. I mean, someone pray for Mark at the end, you know? He has the like gift of encouragement, right? Someone lay hands on that guy. Over the past few weeks, you know, there's been moments where I felt like really giving up. In fact, I was going to talk on something completely different tonight, but just last night, I felt uh, kind of encouraged to share with you the scripture that I've kept coming back to, that we read, that Dwayne read for us earlier. In the last few weeks, I've kept coming back to the scripture. I don't know, you know, sometimes in life, when you're following Jesus, there are moments you have to hang on in the darkness. You know that? Some of you are nodding. You know, it's like life raft scriptures, aren't there? There are promises that we take and we hold onto them. This is one of those promises right now in my life. And I wanna speak to you from the heart tonight because I don't really know how to speak. And so this is one of these scriptures I've been praying and hanging onto and saying, no guys, we've gotta hang on to this, look at this. And the context is this, it's 1 Chronicles 20. And God has commanded the people of God to build the temple. Why? Because God is desperate for the community to have a spiritual home, a place where we can get served and supported and life can happen. But to do it, it requires huge faith, generosity and hard work. And I can imagine they were thinking, really, do we have to do this temple? I mean, God has a pretty specific deal, like the gold and the, the incense and the whole, the stones. And do we, could we just settle for like the, the mobile version? You know, could we get the pop, could we get the Airbnb version of the temple? But God is like, no guys, you have to do it. And this stage, David, King David, the warrior king is an old man. He's on his last legs. That's what building projects do to you. He's sitting there thinking, I'm not going to live much longer. So he calls his son, Solomon, his heir to him. And he says, Solomon, here's what God is saying. This is what you need to do. And I've been mulling this over in my mind. And I believe it's a word for us right now in this moment. This is what it says, verse 20. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord God, my God is with you. He won't fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. You know, God is not gonna let us down, amen? God is faithful when we can't see what's next, amen? When we hang on to the promises of God in the life raft moments of our life, God is able to work in your life and my life, amen? amen. David continues in verse 29 verse 5 he says now this now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the lord today 
And I love this line. The more I read it, the more I think it's crazy true. It's not just a question of wanting to do good intentions. David's like, right, who's in today? Not tomorrow, not next year, but right now, today, there is an emergency. There's a moment of decision for us as a church to say, we are in. And then I love this response. Then the leaders of families. You know how you become a leader? By serving God's vision. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be great, you want to have an impact in your life, in your career, in your business, start by leading. How do you lead? You serve. How do you serve? You support what God is doing. You go where you see the Holy Spirit going and you move to support what he's doing. And so the leaders start to give. The officers, the commanders, they give willingly, it says. And then verse nine, the people rejoice at the willing response of their leaders for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. Last Sunday, I got a message from someone who was here and I love this. This is the encouraging email. They said this, I have no idea about the situation we're in. Of course, I'll help. I want to help to give a gift towards the restoration project. I'm in. I love that. You know what I love more? It was their first Sunday at Hackney Church. They literally walked through the door. They didn't take them long to figure out this is an emergency. They were like, how can I help? What can I do? I'm in. And we've been getting messages from people all week saying, you know, how can we help? How can we put our hand to the pump? What is it you need? Let us know because we want to see this happen. We want to be part of a miracle. We want to respond and build a response place, an emergency response unit for the community for generations to come. So today I want to just look at five, oh, four, five, five. I'm dyslexic, so whenever I like hold up my hands, I'm like, I want to look at five things tonight, right? I always hold up the wrong number. So five, that's all the fingers and the thumb. Just remember that, Al. Five things that every one of us can do tonight. The first is this. You can set up a direct debit. And this is the most efficient way that you can be part of saying, I'm in. Everyone giving. A direct debit means that you don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it, but we can plan in order to make sure that we can grow the ministry in a healthy way. And not only this, but if you fill out the form and you do the gift aid bit, you can gift aid your direct debit and the government, the chancellor, will add 25% on top of it. So let's say you give 100 pounds a month, it'll actually become 125 pounds a month. Now you might say, well, you know, hey, the numbers Al you're talking about here, they are so big. You know, how could my contribution make a difference? You know, 222,000 pounds, 150,000 pounds. I don't have that kind of money. Well, here's the truth. You, you can make a huge difference. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. Notice they didn't give a specific number. It doesn't list what each person gave. Sometimes it says that, but it says they gave wholeheartedly to the work of the Lord. And they added it up and it was more than enough to pay for the temple. The truth is your contribution will make a huge difference. Even if you're a visitor here tonight, tonight, think of tonight as the offering. You know, we suddenly pass around the offering buckets, but tonight, think of this as the offering. We're going to do this together. The average regular monthly giver here at Hackney Church gives £165 a month. The smallest regular gift is just £5 a month. It doesn't matter how much you give. The principle is give with your heart. It was one of our young life 
kids this morning, a, a 10, 11-year-old kid. And he, he sat through the talk, and I was like, oh, man, you should really be having fun in your group, you know. But he was sitting there. At the end, he came up, his mum actually came up to me and uh, said, you know, my son is in. And I was like, tell me. He says, he has organized. He just told me he's going to organize a bake sale at his school to raise money for the restoration project. I love that. That's wholehearted, you know. Even if you're retired, even if you're unemployed, even if you're a student, you can give something. Maybe think, well, look, what do I spend each month on coffees? Let's put some of that aside. Give up a coffee a week. Put that in a pot. Give it to the work of the Lord. And as you'll know, the, the rule of thumb in Scripture is that we would give 10% of our income to support the work of ministry in the church. A tithe. And consequently, you know, in, in the New Testament, every example of giving that's listed in the New Testament, the church are giving more than 10%. In other words, they don't want to be bound by law, that Jesus came to free us from the law, that by grace we might exceed the law. In other words, it doesn't mean that you, you become less holy when you become a Christian. No, you're freed. Your life belongs to Christ. You're free to do whatever he calls you to do. In fact, 100% of our money belongs to Jesus when we come to him. And not just 10%, everything we do, everything we have, we need to be accountable to God for. So what I want to encourage you to do today, and this is a discipleship principle, is to look at your income and work out what you spend your money on and try and set aside 10% to say, I'm in to the work of God. And you know, I, I don't get a kickback from this, just in case you're wondering. You know, I'm, there's nothing in this for me. I get paid the same whether we all go home or we don't. You know, I'm a Church of England priest. But the Church of England, each parish is set up to support itself. Now, the good news is I get paid the same whether we have a million people coming to church or nobody coming to church. It doesn't make a difference. But as a church, we don't receive external support from the Church of England. I wish we did. In fact, we pay into the Church of England what's called the Common Fund Contribution. It's a voluntary tax. In fact, it's not really voluntary. And what we do is we give so that other churches who have no one in them would be supportive and sustained. So the thing is, when you give, you are the only person giving to this ministry. It's not like there's a whole bunch of people out there on the internet who are like crowdfunding Hackney Church. It's us. We're the members. So let God speak to you in your heart about what you might give. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, cool fact, when I turned up on Monday night and we were there responding in the middle of this massive incident, was a Salvation Army truck. The local pastors from up the road, they turned up as well and they were giving out tea and coffee and sandwiches and Mars bars. They looked after everybody. That story, the Salvation Army, started here in East London with a guy called William Booth. For 80 years plus of his life, he served and poured himself out and gave generously and encouraged people to give. They said, let's, let's tackle the big problems of our society. Let's be an emergency response unit. When he was an old man, some young guy came to him and said, hey, William, tell us, how did you do it? What was the secret to your life? How did you become the spiritual giant? And he said this, the secret's very simple. For the past 80 years, God has had all that there is of William Booth. Let me encourage you tonight to live like that. Let's encourage one another to be a church that say, I'm in. So let me encourage you, firstly, to start. Start somewhere. Then secondly, and I've, been, I've learned this in the last week. I think God's doing something around this. K 
can I encourage you to give as a group? You might be intimidated by this, but can you get together with two or three friends and say, over a pint of beer, what can we do to invest in this? The restoration project. By next year, there won't be a restoration project. We'll either be bankrupt or we'll have built a cathedral of creativity. It only has two outcomes. Uh, by next year, there won't be like a, hey guys, can you chip in for the thing that we built last year? No, you get to do that now or never. So this mum in the morning congregation, she comes up to me after the talk last week and she says, hey, I get together. We have a connect group, the mums here. You know, we live very locally on this state just there. And we get together, we read the Bible, we pray for our kids to keep them safe, we hang out. And she said, but you know, I, I'm in. She said, we don't have much, but I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna commit. We're gonna commit as our little group. We're gonna raise a thousand pounds towards the building project. She said, everyone can do it. Each one of us, each mum, we can put aside a little bit each week between now and Christmas. And each one of us could give a hundred pounds and we're gonna commit to raise that together. Isn't that amazing? Can we give it up for her? What faith. What faith. You know, could you find someone and get together with them? That's leadership. When you say willingly, together, we're gonna do it. Then thirdly, would you... If you have any questions, do me a favor, go and visit our giving stand. We have a stand at the back with a bunch of people who'll be on it later. And they are there. Think of them as like Apple Genius Bar for giving. They're gonna help you. If you're like, how do I do payroll giving? You know, if you work for a company and some of you do, loads of companies now, they now will match your charity giving. So if you go to them and say, I wanna give away a thousand pounds. They'll say, great, we wanna give a thousand pounds to match you. Why? Because they figured out that the more generous their workforce are, the happier and better their workforce will be. Now, some people, we know this because they turned up at the, the giving stand last week. Some people, they, they work for really big like tech companies. Uh, and that tech company, I'm not gonna name it, would say, well, hey, you know what? Um, we can't match your giving if it's to a religious institution. So the giving guys were like, well, that's really easy. We'll set up a charity for the lighthouse work separately. So that way that giving can go into that charity and they can be matched. And what they might have given a thousand pounds suddenly gets multiplied, becomes 2000 pounds. Isn't that cool? We want to help fix these problems together. Others think, well, well, you might say, well, how do I do, you know, gift aid? How does that work? Well, let us encourage you. Go and visit the stand. They can help you figure out how to do it. Or maybe you already give, but you're not quite sure if your giving's coming out of your account. You want to go and talk to them. They will help you to answer as many questions as they can before the evening is out. And then the fourth thing I want to encourage you with, fourth practical thing, and this is for those of you who give regularly at the moment, is to stretch your giving, to stretch your giving. You know, I know many of you give and you give really generously. Why? Because I have the privilege as the pastor, because it's a discipleship issue giving, I make a point of writing to everyone to thank them because it's a really important work you're doing. And I'm always stunned at the generosity of people in this congregation. You're amazing. Can I encourage you in this season to be really bold? and to say, look, we want to stretch our giving a little bit. It's what Liv and I have done every gift day 
since we joined Hackney Church uh, and even back beyond that in HCB where we were before. Each gift day, we try and find a little way of just adding a little bit more. In fact, Liv and I have a cereal this morning. I was kind of having breakfast and um, I was saying to Liv, oh, Liv, it's gift day, babe, what are we gonna do? And you know, we're giving this much at the moment. And she was like, we've got to give more. So let's, let's stretch our giving a little bit. I was like, really? Wow, that's you. I'm not sure we can do it at the moment. You know, life, we have two birthdays in our family in September. So it's like fully expensive on the current account. And you know, and Liv's like, no, we've got to do it. We've got to, we just got to stretch because God is always faithful when we do and so we kind of agreed this little sum that we're going to add on top. In fact, on the form, you can see there's a category where you can add a little bit more if you already give. And so we were like, we're going to stretch and we're going to give a one-off gift too. And I was like, babe, should we do that? And we're like, yeah, okay, we had that chat. And then I came to church and, and I found Liv at the 10 o'clock service. And we're like, let's go together to the hamper. We're going to put this in together on the can three. And as we're walking up the aisle, she goes, by the way, I added a whole lot more. <laughs> Chuck it in. And I was like, what? <laughs> too late. I'm dancing up the church. Wave it, wave it. But I love that heart. You know, we have never once regretted as a family stretching our giving. We've never been like God has left us on the pavement standing there in the cold of the night. No, God provides. And there's nothing more exciting looking back and saying, wow, every time you were faithful in our lives, every time you were there, God, you can't outgive God. Another thing Liv and I try and do is, is we make Hackney Church the primary place that we give. I'm involved in lots of amazing charities. One, Charity Water, really close to my heart. I sit on the, the board of trustees for that. And I support them regularly. But, but I make sure that this is the primary place of my giving. Why? Because the reality is there are loads of great causes out there that people are supporting. But only us guys get to support this. I mean, to be honest with you, we're the members of Hackney Church. We understand the vision. It's not people on the other side of the world who are going, oh, we love Hackney Church. It's us. We're the only ones who get to be members by saying, we're in, we're going to give. And then finally, fifthly, you might want to give a one-off gift. And I find this really fun because in this season we're in right now, we have a really specific thing that we are giving towards. That by next year, you can go, this thing that I gave towards is actually here. And it's going to be really exciting. You might want to give a one-off gift. Let me give you some examples. You may say, well, I, I don't have much cash in my savings account or my ISA right now. You know, to be honest with you, nor do we. But we, we feel encouraged to try and give today. And here are some examples of what you can give. A, a, a 25 pound one-off gift can buy for the new church a towel unit in the toilets. Now that may not sound much, but when you turn up a church and everyone's like, high-fiving you, shaking your hand during the hangout, and they got really clean hands. You can be like, this clean-handed person has clean hands because of my towel unit. Behold my towel unit, right? I can stretch this analogy, don't worry. Psalms, David writes, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands. You get where I'm going, guys, right? You know, you could be the person for 25 pounds who equips the toilet with the clean hand towel unit, right? Forever, right? Is anyone excited? Can I get an amen about that? Is anyone pumped? <laughs> Let me give you another exciting example. Okay, here we go. A hundred pounds right now can buy you the kitchen sink, the kind of cleaning sink, where we're gonna fill up the baptism pool from backstage. It's gonna have a hose pipe tap, a little brass one. I chose it last week. And the whole unit costs... 100 pounds. 
Now, we haven't got the money to buy that yet. We're praying someone might say, that's me tonight. Now, in years to come, when people come to faith on Alpha and they go forward and they get baptized in church and they go down in the water, you know, you can say, well, Jesus saves, but I put the water in the baptism pool because you paid for the tap. It's a tiny thing, but it's gonna have a huge impact. Or another example, 250 pounds pays for a door. Every time you walk through it, you go, this is my door. I helped build this door. One of my favorites, a thousand pounds can buy all the cubicles in the men's toilets, the actual cubicles. Now boys, gents, in years to come, you can take your grandkids around and say, you see these cubicles? This is the cubicle section that grandpa built. Imagine the legacy you could leave. 5,000 pounds can buy a section of the old floor and have it restored and polished, ready for generations to come. You can be in worship, you can be dancing and tapping your foot on the floor. In fact, during a talk when you're bored, you can look at the floor, be I built this floor. This is my floor. This is my floor. Or if you're an internet junkie, <laughs> the cost of running broadband fiber optic from the main road to the church, get ready. We have to dig an enormous trench. We have to lay it all down. It costs 25,000 pounds. Why do we think that's important? Well, to start with, like if there's no Wi-Fi, we're completely stuffed, right? If you're sitting in church and you're linked, I can't even get on Instagram, this is bad. But also, you know what? We believe that God is calling our community to reach people on the internet, to connect people digitally, to serve. We're living in a digital age. We wanna build a cathedral of creativity. You could make that happen. You could be part of that. And you could get satisfaction sitting there getting super fast broadband when you're like, I can refresh my Instagram instantly during the talk. You can say, I did that. Or my favorite, this is the, the cherry on the cake. Okay, you ready for this one? For 250 pounds, a one-off gift, you can buy an actual toilet unit. Like the toilet, right? Somebody say amen. amen. You can buy the toilet. You can go to church in years to come and you can go to the toilet, you can sit on that toilet and you can say, this is the toilet that I built. This is my toilet. You think of the satisfaction you're gonna get in years to come, the sense of relief, the, the sense of just like reward, you know, knowing that that is you. People are gonna to come to church in years to come. They're gonna to go to the toilets. They're gonna come out saying, thank Jesus for this toilet. I mean, there are moments like that where they're gonna be like, praise God. And you can think that was my toilet. Amen? Amen. Okay, you're getting there. Remember that message I told you about Mark sent me, the kind of one where I shut my laptop. I was like, seriously, we can just go home now. Do you know the crazy thing is this? As I shut my laptop on Friday night, the very same instant, my phone buzzed and another message came in. And I won't embarrass them by saying who they are. Members of this congregation, in fact, all of our congregations. And they, they texted me to say this. Hey, Al, just a quick note, read the building project. We should be in a position to give, and it's a really large sum, it's a five-figure sum towards the project. We wanted to mention it so you can count on it. And then they said this, and this is, I really sense from the Lord. They said this, see it as an encouragement to keep going, hang in there. In that moment, my heart broke. You God, God is so faithful. You know, what God has begun in this journey here in the last few years, he's gonna to bring to completion. God is gonna provide. 
How? According to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's you and me. We're God's bank tonight. We're the ones who are here. It's our moment. Now is the time. We're the ones with our hands on the pump. And for that reason, when I'm tempted to feel discouraged, I actually feel encouraged. Because Jesus is going to build the church, not us. We know we don't have to work. God's going to provide. I'm confident of this. But tonight we get to respond. Tonight we get to willingly give today. And so I want to encourage you as we come into land that this is an emergency response. How will you respond tonight? How might God be speaking to you about what you can give? And I believe God is saying this, be strong and courageous. Do the work. God is with us. My God, your God is with you. Now's the time to be bold. You can make a difference when you give freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hackney Church Podcast. Don't forget to connect in online at hackney.church and we'll see you soon. God bless.